bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Andrew Mean, joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello, friends. Mr. Brian Brushwood. Back again, man. You can't stop us. Mr. Bryce Castillo. Yeah, I'm told that we are not allowed to be stopped. So yeah. Welcome back, yeah. everybody. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, so it was good. by me that told him that. So it's I, the law. I apologize. We can't control it. So. Yeah. I... I kind of feel like we need to do a segment every show, which is just called, hey, like, yeah, space is weird. We get it. Okay. <laughs> I'm with it. I'm with it. I mean, that's true, because like so many, uh, so many of, uh, of, of the United States, like, like they don't get it. They don't get it. Space oh. is weird. This is weird, y'all. Well, like, so <clears throat> I'll bring up stuff before, like, oh, astronomers observed this. And I don't mean to trivialize these things because often they're describing, oh, there's this galactic, there's a radio galaxy, you know, whatever it is. Like, well, it's bigger than what anything you understand or can comprehend, and it's doing a thing, but it's far off in space. And you're like, oh, that's cool. That's kind of neat. And then you find out, like, oh, here's another thing, an FRB, fast radio burst, probably comes from something bigger than anything you can imagine or know, and that's out there in space. And it's like, well, one, I am insignificant now. I really understand that. Two, space is really weird. And now I'm going to throw another weird object at you. Ready for this? Ready. Let's go. Please don't yeah. hurt me with oh. this object. Yeah. We're talking about orcs, gentlemen. Orcs. What's an orc, Andrew? An odd radio circle. Oh. <laughs> oh, I thought, okay. I got I thought he was thought, back on the yeah. menu. That yeah, no, orcs. I, thought, I mean, we don't know. For, I mean, we can't rule it out. But okay, odd radio circle. Okay, so there's a new paper that's coming out talking about what this is. They've observed very large, unexplained astronomical objects at a radio wavelength is highly circular and bright around its edges. As of June 26, 2020, there have been four such. Odd radio circles, orcs, and possibly six more observed. The observed orcs are bright at radio wavelengths, but are not visible at visible infrared or X-ray. Two of the orcs contain optical galaxies in their centers, suggesting the galaxies might have formed these objects. So, we are yeah, we're looking at a photo. It's this big, sort of weird, sort of radio burst, and there's a galaxy, and some of them right in the middle of it. I don't even know that I begin to comprehend what the hell just was if, said. If, if 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 I were to guess, I would say that what we're seeing is um Nope, I got nothing. <laughs> I really thought I had something there. It looks like cabbage. So, it, now, what are the chances that it's space cabbage because it does look like a head of cabbage. It looks I mean, cabbage does start with Cabbage. Or lettuce. Yeah. I think it's more I, like cabbage. Also, lettuce. there looks to be a little face, right? Little the, face. Immediately, yeah, immediately to the right of the sea here in this diagram. Oh. It looks like a crazy like, so, oh, my I, cabbage. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down in right. incomplete because I don't understand it, but they use the radio telescopes, they start scanning the sky. And one of the things we start seeing is we start seeing things with in radio wavelengths not visible that are that we're like, wow, there's a thing there. We can't see it on a telescope. Or in some cases, hey, we, we look at this galaxy, but we're picking up radio waves all around it. In this case, forming this big ring, this big ring around this galaxy. Like there's some other phenomenon taking place there. 
And we're like, we don't know why that happened. We, we don't know what this is. This is this is a strange thing. So that's the weird thing is it's a phenomenon. They've observed just a handful of them, and they say that they've ruled out other things like, you know, you get a supernova and you get these shock waves of matter that your energy and matter that kind of emanate from there. Other things like this. In this case, they're looking, they're like, yeah, we don't know. And like, I mean, I'm like, galaxy, you know, teleporting from another universe because it was about to collapse. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, I don't really support that theory, but who knows? It's space is weird. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, we get it. Space is weird. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. As, as, as long as we're just making stuff up and, and hello, welcome to the weird things podcast where we do that kind of thing. Like, uh, is it the weirdest thing to consider that, uh, that, that this is an almost organic beginning of an intelligence or something only instead of cellular based chemical environments we're dealing with of uh, i don't know bursts of energy that trigger other bursts of energy similar to what happens in the brain i mean how 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 far out in left field am i i I'm I'm on board for any crazy thing we want to explore. The idea that there are systems that sort of behave like that. There was a there was a I gotta remember the name of the book, but there was a really cool book out that had the idea that maybe what happens inside black holes is they spin off into their own little separate universes and they take the physical laws from that other one, but they get changed slightly. And some of them life becomes possible, some of them not. And just the whole idea that you know you could have you know, universes with different physical laws is sort of an amazing idea. And the idea that this evolution, it was sort of this evolutionary idea that you could evolve universes through this process of, you know, in the universes where black holes could form. So, sure. Dude. Prove us wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that, I mean, Brian, to your point, like, I think that's part of it is that, like, we're using our monkey brains to try to comprehend things that, you know, function on timescales and do things in ways that we're just not quite understanding. And that's kind of like the beauty of astronomy. The beauty of the astronomy is that they go in their space telescopes out there and they see a thing the effing size of a galaxy, of a galaxy, going, we don't know what this is. <laughs> I mean, how often do you get it, like, discover something that big or whatever? And, you know, it's kind of amazing. And, and we're going to find more weird stuff. That's the thing. The, the weird things keep coming. You know, we've talked about before about FRBs, the fast radio bursts which are these, you know, powerful, powerful radio bursts that come from spots outside of the Milky Way. And we don't quite know what they are because they don't fit like, you know, a, a pulsar or some other aspects of what we think it could be. Damn. So, I mean, so so how scared should we be, question mark? Like on, on, on a that... scale from a creaking board to an ominous knock on, on on a cabin door in the remote countryside all the way up to a Haley Joel Osment on the scale of a creaking board to a Haley Joel Osment how scared yeah. should we be I, I think think about it think about it being into astronomy 200 years ago and you know that stars you you under you believe there's a physical explanation for it okay but we don't possess the physics to explain fusion and fission and the other things that, that account for that but we, we know like we know they're not. We we know they're further away than we realized. We had no idea how far away they were, but we understood that they're beyond 
the planets. We understand that there's some process, but all we understand is chemical processes. We don't have the language to understand it. We know there's rules to apply to it. And that's, I think, some of the things we look at now, FRBs. And other we can try to put it into our conventional language, but we maybe need another generation of physics to really understand. I suppose the big question is, like, 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 like are, are we seeing what appears to be some kind of interaction between the two? Like, like somebody says something and then another star reacts in some way. And, and I'm assuming that we've not seen that. Well, what we do have is there's we the thing that we often think about is we're used to sort of static models of stuff a static model of the atom a static model of the solar system or the you know the milky way poster like you know you are here you know our solar system's traveling around the milky way right our solar system since life has begun on earth has made like four or five around the entire milky way which is one of the reasons why we think that life could have maybe come could have come from just about any other star in the milky way and between even there's even trade off of debris and material, not just, you know, between planets and between other places. There's also connections between if you take the local group where our Milky Way is, the lines aren't sharp. You were used to like, here we are, here they are. But then you find there's little tinier, little smaller mini galaxies and little clusters of stars there and sometimes an exchange of stuff. So that it's it is like a big ocean. It really is like an ocean and not just a bunch of isolated islands separated by vacuum. That's, you know, we're affected by gravity. We're affected by other things there. And we have, there are, you know, we've now starting to learn how to identify objects in our solar system that came from other places. And there may be objects in our galaxy because we've had collisions with other galaxies and ripped away stuff. And we're going to have other collisions. And that's sort of a fascinating thing to think that, like, you could hop onto another galaxy. Yeah, I guess that's that's really where where the only analog that I can have is that if you look at what we knew about the ocean in a barely seafaring, you know, uh, level of civilization, it was probably very mysterious, right? And it only got more mysterious mm -hmm. the more we started interacting with it, because uh, it's mysterious now, and we've mastered it right like we can we have uh -huh. built vessels that can travel faster and for longer than ever before uh and yet we are still discovering crazy insane stuff about uh the ocean and we will we will continue to do that with space as well but and to brian's question though like like or brian's point like yeah like i think the the dynamic view i think is an exciting the more we think about it as a dynamic system and not just the things are moving back and forth it's it, it opens up. And I think the more we start to think about that, you know, that is so it's not crazy. It, I think it's more in line with my opinion. I mean, I don't, you know, you know just, I read the same stuff as everybody else. But I mean, I think like that's what excites me is the idea of like, man, things are flowing back and forth. Things are exchanging. Galaxies split apart. They come in contact with each other. And we might need an entirely different system level way to look at the stuff to really understand what's taking place. All pausing for deep thought here. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 I thought I thought Brian was going to say Brian had the like the, the the I was ready to say something. Face. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we can bring it into the Patreon plug then, because patreoncom slash things is where you can support this very show. Uh, each and every week, we're bringing you weird news. We're bringing you science news, the likes of which you ain't never heard in your life. And you can keep it going by heading on over there, patreoncom slash things. Let me just say this. The best reason why 
you should get on Patreon for any show that you care about, specifically with podcasts, is that custom RSS feed. You get to put it right there in your uh, podcatcher of your choice. It is platform agnostic, and the shows come faster. You get the show as fast as we want to get paid for the show. Spoiler alert, we want to get paid very fast. So we put it up there. It hits faster than any of the uh, uh, Apple or or uh, Spotify, any of those registries update. It's direct from us to you. Check it out, patreon.com slash weird things. So I want to segue this in a question, too, because, again, that's why I phrased that whole thing by the way, like, hey, weird things in space. It's like, we're all like, here's a thing. My brain's too tiny to understand. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm like, okay, all right, you know, cool. I'd be like, you know, somebody coming back in time to like a Neanderthal campfire, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, you know, trying to sharpen my rock with a stick. And they're like, you know, let me explain to you how atoms work. Uh, <laughs> great. How is this relevant? This is cool. Cool theory, bro. Um, there's a plan in Europe. They want to make an even bigger collider, an even bigger super collider, right? If you look at, there was uh, LHC is 27, Large Hadron Collider is 27 kilometers across. There's a new one tentatively called the Future Circular Collider. <laughs> like like they had other choice between, between a circle, right? Right? Am I right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, I, they, they should have went Larger Hadron Collider, right? Like that's that's yeah. the boss move. Our FU hard hadron collider, yeah. <laughs> uh, not the tiny one. So this one is designed to be much larger, which allows you to sort of build up even more energetic particles to find even more things about, you know, the structure of matter. And I think these things are cool, but my frustration is that I think that a lot of reasons, the reason these projects exist is because they become basically work programs and they they basically provide send a lot of money towards contractors to build these things and a lot of money goes towards a project that a few people get to use at a time where i think if we were if it was purely about the advancement of science and you had the same amount of funding you would be spending it on a thousand smaller projects and like looking at what's going on in space it's like for the same amount of money man you could be building a heck of a lot of you know space telescopes etc up there and there's kind of an argument in physics that sort of kind of since like the Manhattan Project, the particle physicists have been the ones who have been able to kind of get the money and be able to do kind of really cool stuff because like kind of as an outgrowth of that. And they started learning how to like, well, this is how you convince, you know, your senators or Europe, you know, your representatives here to give us hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars to build this thing because of all the jobs. I, so. I don't know. Like, like, like I'm a fan of anybody trying to figure out more science right uh and and it mm -hmm. seems to me like you would want to lean into whatever it is you're good at uh and and when it comes to this situation like uh look uh, uh elon musk has has it nailed uh, when it comes to you know uh, reusable space rockets putting up hundreds of thousands of mini sats and all that stuff so it's like uh, I don't know. I, 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 it, it's hard for me to blame them for for making big circles underground because they seem to know how to do that. I, I guess my point is to say that it, it, it is if you're asking if you're taking public funding and say we're going to do we want to do research because we think you know scientific research is great. These massive public projects suck up a ton of funding, a ton of funding that that we get a fund 
One big thing that we're finding the results, the practical application of those results are way far off. There are occasionally stuff, we do stuff like this, but it's more we want to answer this question versus saying, should we spend, if we were to take that same money, could we divide it among a thousand different laboratories, you know, a hundred different laboratories and have amazing other sort of particles and stuff or, or other, you know, other like smaller, could we push the art of particle acceleration to build compact ones or things on how to do that? And I guess it's part of my, my frustration sometimes with a lot of these government projects is that they they suck up funding in one thing, which gives you limited results, where if you had funded 100 different things, maybe you would get way more science. Sure, sure. And this is oftentimes what happens with any kind of political appointment of funding is that the, the things that get funded are done for reasons that are often because they're uncontroversial or because they make headlines and and that makes the the people that gave them the money look good and if there's one thing that the large hadron collider has proven itself very adept at it is making headlines you hear about it a lot mm -hmm. it is a a science uh a, a, a science thing that gets a lot of press so i can see where somebody a politician can say oh well no one's ever going to blame me for the thing that keeps getting all you know pushing the line of what we know in science forward. However, I, I do think that there is a large uh, conversation that always needs to be had about these kinds of things, especially when you're dealing with a price tag as big as what this is going to cost, Andrew. And you do have to weigh, uh, weigh it against what else you could do because sometimes it's, you know, with a lot of small grants, you can adjust and tack a little bit more nimbly than putting all your money into one gigantic program. Even if that seems at least in the minds of the politicians that are making those allocations, uh, you know, like a safer bet for them not to be embarrassed because that's really what's going through their minds. Yeah. So I, it's, I look at it where I guess the politics is what frustrates me is that I think that fusion research in the United States has not progressed as much as I think it could have because the Department of Energy decided, you know, 20, 30 years ago, they were going to do the, you know, this one approach towards it called the Takamak approach. And even after some of the scientists proposed, it said we should do something different. Like, no, this is the approach. You couldn't be another, if you were another agency, if you're, let's say, even the Navy, and you wanted to put more than, let's say, $20 million into an alternative program, the DOE would say, no, you can't do that. This is our purview. And so we prevented other areas of research because... You know, one government science institution said, nope, we know the way forward, which is a very not very scientific approach, but because of the politics of it. And I think that if you we saw this with Craig Venture when we had the Human Genome Project, you know, the Human Genome Project was uh, National Institute of Health had funded this thing. They were using, you know, uh, laboratories around the world to sequence the human genome. And they had this roadmap for how they were going to do it and the method they were going to use it, which is very simple sort of, you know, PCR sort of method. And Craig Venter says, hey, I have a faster approach. There was this paper written on basically if you shoot DNA through a little sieve, it splits it up, you can sequence it faster, and we can use supercomputers to reassemble it. We could do this thing in like a third of the amount of time and save money. And they're like, no, we, we like this approach. And Venter's kind of like, we're, we're trying to like cure disease, right? <laughs> like there are people, future lives might be saved the sooner we have this. Like, yeah, but we like this because all these labs had funding for the next 10 years, everything was in place and they resisted it. And that's when he went off and he started Cellular Genomics, a private company. 
that went and started sequencing the human genome on their own and started outpacing the effort of the United States government and all these labs around the world. And then they're like, oh boy, we better partner up because it's going to look really bad if this startup company beats us. And that's the thing that sort of that I wor worries me. So we get so locked into one way of doing things. On a separate, oh, yeah. on a separate track, uh, am I right in, uh, uh, it seemed like I saw a few articles over the last week saying that like uh, we are in the middle of a two week window where it's a very short trip to Mars. And so we, we, we have trips from, from, uh, 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 from China, from the United States, from the ESA, everybody uh, trying to get to Mars at the same time. Am, am I remembering that right? Yeah, the the window is that we still have. It's it's a, it's longer than I think it's another month or another two months or so that we have that. But that is a scary thing because like yeah, we have uh, the Mars twenty twenty. We want to launch uh, one of our big projects to there, and that's sort of the scary thing that if it doesn't happen, then it's another two years. So uh, you know that's you know waiting on that. So yeah, there's a lot of people. You know that's you know we've talked about this before, but it's like uh, every like 26 months is the optimum time to send something to Mars because it's going to have the shortest travel time. Like a six or work. seven month trip. Yeah. I, you know, it depends. Some take, sometimes it can take a couple years. Yeah, but, but yeah, basically, but it's, it's the most fuel efficient, optimal sort of way to do that. And if you miss that window, then you got to wait like another 26 months to do that. And they show launch windows up through August 15th to be able to send uh, this is the perseverance rover that they want to send which is pretty cool that's going to be the first kind of like fully sort of autonomous rover so instead of having to have to put every single command in there they can just say hey go look for stuff and be like all right i will look for things and it's going to start you know roving around and trying to find cool stuff and is it the uh maybe i'm misremembering but uh, i thought the chinese rover was actually going to try to return like 500 grams of of Martian surface back, back to, uh, uh, yeah, there, there is a sample return. I don't know if that's, I don't know. Let's look that up. It looks like China maybe announced to do some, to do a sample return in 2017. That would bring quote, a piece of Mars back to earth in the late 2020s. Cause that's another exciting thing. That's, that's another kind of cool thing about space is, you know, sending robots there and getting some, you know, materials back there. So, NASA ESA concept, um, China, yeah, China, as far as I know, they haven't launched anything yet, but, you know, that, at some point, we're going to be able to do that, which is going to be really cool. But that's, I think, Perseverance, though, that rover, the probes, the sensors on that are even more depth than what we have before. And that's one of the things is every time we send something there on Mars, we say, this is what we can find, this is what we can't. And let's build even more sophisticated instruments there. And I think this is going to be able to go much further into the ground. This is the one that's going to have the helicopter we talked about. Yeah, the helicopter. Yeah. The helicopter really messes with me because it seems like on a, on a, on a planet with so little atmosphere, it seems like a helicopter of all the ways to get something elevated would be the most least efficient. Uh, but uh, it. Yeah, I, I, I seemed like that was a thing when I read about that, because you're you're basically, you know, one percent atmosphere. It's like the same amount of atmosphere, at like one hundred thousand feet altitude. But then, you know, I, I read a thing, a paper, which was kind of cool, which sort of explained that, well, because the gravity is 40 percent, it's just right enough that a lot of things that aerodynamically like 
you know, in theory, you could make an airplane work on Mars. Like, and you're like, what? Like 40%. Once you get that less, you know, much, once the gravity is reduced, then your the amount of power you're getting out of thing and your, you know, your rotors are spinning faster, et cetera. But that's just, yeah, that's just, I, yeah, I would have been like, no, we'll never work. And like, oh yeah, no, we're building one, bro. I'm like, well, I'm glad I'm not in charge of NASA. So yeah. that's gonna be exciting. So we're looking at some video of this little 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 rover. It's got you know counter counter rotating uh, propellers. You know, thing pops up there and starts flying around. But yeah, do take a look at Mars Perseverance um, or the Mars 2020 mission because it is it is a really amazing. And if you ever if you ever see one of these uh, uh, rovers up close. You know, we remember when we watched, you know, the first one to land, you know, land back on Mars in the 90s, which was cool, the first moving one. And that's the, you know, smaller thing. These things are big. This is as big as like, this is as wide as like, you know, a small car. Yeah. So it's a you know, beast. The, yeah. And it's just, it's sort of neat to see, like, you think about how big this thing is. It's like, you know, we're putting a car on Mars. That was, I got to see <laughs> one of the, I, I got to see one of the, uh, probes that we sent that did like a flyby of like Vesta or Ceres, one of these big, and use one of these big, you know, satellite, one of these big space probes. This thing's huge. It was like the size of like a bus, you know, it was like amazing. Like the large truck is a huge truck. I'm, you're thinking something the size of a dishwasher. You see this big, you're like, this is an effing spaceship. This is yeah. a huge spaceship. There's nobody on board. And so, yeah, there's a person by scale to compare it to this. So uh, we, we saw in one of the, the kind of YouTube, uh, links that was to the side of uh, a demonstration of this that that helicopter would that be the first flight from mars the first human flight or, or human engineered flight from the soil of mars yeah yeah that would be the first object to ever lift off essentially the surface of mars yeah uh, so you know that's that's, that's just what's pretty incredible dope. about that yeah yeah yeah, we're looking at that. Like, yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. So I'm excited. I'm excited about this mission. So yeah, I hope they'll be able to take off because it's got a lot of wonderful science. They're doing a lot of cool things. They've got our system in there to be able to look at ground penetrating radar to sort of see what's below. And man, the science we'll get for back from this will be great. So, um, and and so do do we know? Is there any any thought that this won't happen? This is a this is a ULA rocket, right? That's going to put it off. No, no, this uh, into is space or uh. As far as this, the 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 waiting on this rocket, uh, on this one is basically it's there's it's the one of the launch windows. So okay, yeah, no, this is gonna this one's gonna be launched on. Okay, July thirtieth to August fifteenth is the launch window from Cape Canaveral, and then landing yeah. in February eighteenth, twenty twenty one. So man, oh, that's so dope! It won't be there. It'll 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 be there fairly fast. That's that's crazy. Uh, very cool. So yeah, it'll be an Atlas V taken off from Cape Canaveral. So, um, exciting. So yeah, uh, Bryce sent me a thing today, which is cool. I had no idea this was going on, but X Prize, which X Prize is an is an amazing organization. The idea behind X Prize is, uh, Peter Diamandis and the other people behind that went and they looked at one of the things that's sort of how do you inspire innovation. One of the ways you inspire innovation is with incentives, and. One of the things, like the reason that we had like uh, Lindbergh and a lot of your early uh, pioneers in aviation did what they did is because there were prizes to do this. You know, we had, you know, we developed like better efficient watches because there was a prize to develop a better way to keep track of your longitude, you know, when you're going across the ocean, et cetera. So X Prize says, well, let's create incentives to get people focused on a goal. And the what is right now is, Bryce, you want to take over for this? 
Uh, sure. Actually, Sunbun yeah. in our in our Discord uh, sent this along, but there is a new X Prize to design uh, and produce a uh, effective, more comfortable uh, face mask um, because we are, uh, you know, dealing with COVID nineteen. So, uh, one one million dollars to reimagine protective face masks by making them more comfortable, functional, accessible, and even stylish. Ooh. Oh, which by the way, that last part sounds like a uh, like a, just a sprinkle on top. But I, I I would say that stylish might be the most important of all of them. Like if 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 because uh, sty- stylish is code for uh, more likely to be worn by the casual person, right? Right. Um. And yeah, yeah. So I I you know I had not considered that like the face mask needs to be, I don't know, reimagined, but I don't know. Like, I guess, what I don't know what oh, you guys yeah. think about this. Because I, I, I don't know. I wear my mask when I go and like get fast food or if I end up in public, but, um, well, think, think about as we want to start to return to work and we want to be around each other and we don't want to look like we're planning a stagecoach robbery and you want to try to find better solutions. And I was looking into this a couple months ago because I was thinking about like, man, we're, we're not going to be wearing masks like this. It's going to be hard to want to interact one-on-one with that. I'm like, man, has anybody built a transparent mask? And then I found a company called theclearmask.com. And I don't know if this works or not, but I'm like, this is kind of a cool solution here where basically what they've built is a mask where you can see the mouth. The, you, know, you can see the upper, lower part of the face and they put the filters on the side. And I don't know if it doesn't clear up or not in fog, but. Well, and, and even if it doesn't, I can imagine a mask where, um, you know, uh, where it reads your facial expressions and, and, and reveals emojis or whatever, like, like it becomes a hilarious game, you know, where it's like, as you wink, you know, suddenly the mask puts on like a Chuck E. Cheese, like hooray, you know, look to it. I mean, all I would say is that if we are looking for, if there's a million dollar prize for comfort and stylish masks, that the first thing that I did is just Google, all right, where's the leaders of the industry? What are they wearing? What are the Tokyo streetwear people wearing? <laughs> like as, as far as masks go in terms of like, like, is there any technology that like they have or, or any the practices that they already do in a culture that is a lot more mask uh friendly and compliant but also very fashion forward uh uh, what are what are they doing and it doesn't look like there's a a ton i mean certainly different fabrics but uh uh, nothing radically different compared to uh to what we have now yeah uh yeah that's yeah that's why i like the i mean i don't again i don't know i'm looking at the clear mask and i don't think I don't think it's really COVID proof because it looks like on the sides and stuff, air vents out of it. But I, I like for a low tech, like a simple, cheap thing, the idea of can we figure out, you know, a, 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 dot, a design where you can see the mouth. That to me is like the big thing. Let me see your mouth. Let me see your pretty mouth. Let me see your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it's it, like. It is funny how like, like just five, ten years ago, the idea of wearing a mask was something that was about to be made illegal where it's like. What do you have to hide? We shouldn't, you know, why would you not want to show your face or whatever? Sure. Uh, and then now here we are with a, a complete reversal of that. All right. Hey, four months ago, 
don't wear masks. <laughs> well, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. even as COVID is exploding, <laughs> it's like, what's the point? Yeah. Stop it! Knock it off. We had, our our betters, you know, in the science and health community, they were telling us, don't wear masks. They're not going to help because they're worried about a mask shortage. And oh no, no masks! They're great. All right. That uh, that that bit, I feel like I'm willing to forgive because, like, that's that's uh, I I believe that was fueled by a fear that there would be a run on masks and then people who, you know, were in the healthcare industry wouldn't be able to have access. Yeah. Look, the problem, the problem was, is that we didn't, we didn't get to the point where I think we are now uh, earlier of like, Hey, look, face coverings, literally a a scarf, a thing, anything is helpful. It, It became about N95 masks and, and PPE. And I think that, that, that harmed the public trust by pinning it, there it's that's a very frustrating yeah i'm not i'm i'm in the position that officials shouldn't lie to us in in particular about health and and, and you're right you're right that 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 was definitely a bad play on their part is is trying to trying to fib a little bit so that they could keep their own that uh, totally agree that was a bad move and Uh, and, but i think that i think that we could have done we could have done like because like you know how many of you like had family members that made masks? Like when we heard mask shortage, yeah. like my mom, did yeah. we know, people were ready to step up and say, hey, mask shortage. OK, what can we do? What can we do? And that was sort of the thing that now it's this, hey, everybody, now you need to do this. And you're like, is that real or not? And it's, you know, I don't want to, I, again, I apologize. I don't want to go down a political route, but it is that it's hard because you will have parts of the population which won't be as benevolent as you are, Brian, and going like, okay, I get it. I understand why you needed to do this from a pragmatic point of view. There are now people like, no, I don't think I need them. I think the mask is a control thing. It's right. a control thing. I don't believe like, science oh, anymore. Yeah. 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 Those people already didn't believe science. Uh, it, looking at the clear mask thing, uh, the, uh, <laughs> there. so this was interesting because I assumed that that was kind of like a reusable mask. They say that the clear mask is not reusable, uh, that they are no. single oh. use. And so... Like then, okay. So there's definitely innovation there because I think it's a cool design. It makes sense, and if you can make a mask that is cleanable, right? Assuming you have some sort of clear plastic frame, something that you can clean and sterilize, or even just you know elbow grease. I you know, uh, yeah. There's well, remember still a way to go on that on that front too. This is a mask. But again, this is this is going into the market of where we don't use in health. This is health situations like that where you don't want to use you don't want your dentist and other people using reusable masks you want them disposed because sanitary yeah. issues yeah okay so i'm sure they could make one that could it's like you want to go it, to kfc and wear something yeah well this is this is more like if you're go- yeah this is like a dentist office things like this if you don't want to scare your kids and that and just clearly like you know Which, by the way that look and, and not gonna not scare kids uh that yeah. that, 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 that weird grimace yeah but you can see it, right? That could be happening under a mask, and and you would never see that eerie grimace with the tangle of terrifying hair uh, being close cropped behind her head. That that is that is <laughs> well, a terrifying you, sight. You wouldn't be able to see if it weren't for the clear mask. <laughs> have you? I don't mention. Have you noticed that some people have just scary eyes? <laughs> what do you mean, Andrew? Like walking down, like that. Like you walk down the street, and you get some people like this. Uh, do you know? Do you know what I have noticed? Like, look at this. Is like that, happy, is that, happy guy. Ha- happy guy. I, I, I like like okay. So um, 
normally when I'm wearing earbuds, listening to podcasts or audiobooks, it's like I could put on a, a, a big old S eating grin for everybody around and everybody, you know, like eyes, 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 we're all friends. That gets a lot harder when I can't hear them. And then they say something and I don't know what they say, but they also can't see my grin. They only see my beady eyes. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I've noticed that out in public, it's like, it's like a, okay, earbuds out. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. We're talking. We're connecting via audio. How are you? <laughs> yeah, man. I, I like, uh, I'm down to just lock down any and all social cues. Like I'm, I'm going out with mask on sunglasses earpods and a hat like i am i just you can't read me um I'm, I'm, I'm on this is like the human form of the incognito browser like there are no i'm you're, giving off no signals you're 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 a full-on uh, uh, uh snow crash gargoyle that's it that's my perfect mask yeah i want i want just that I want a gigantic welder's mask with an LCD screen on it, and you just and and you see what I want you to see. I'll <laughs> I'll play spaceballs on it. I have a friend whose dad is an engineer, and he decided to make his own mask, which he basically built like a kind of a scuba mask with a hose that went to a box with a filter, but you couldn't hear. So full on Darth Vader, engineer. His dad. The solution was. He put a microphone and an amplifier on the belt, so now you oh can hear God. his voice. <laughs> that's yeah, great. That sounds great. You're like, oh, jeez. I'm like, oh, God. Now, yeah, yeah, that's... Hello, like, human. Like, at what point do you realize your dad was Darth Vader? Yeah. Please remain yeah. perfectly calm. I am also human. <laughs> no, I don't have a CVS card. I would not like to not sign up for one. <laughs> This is my gonna, real well, voice, gonna... I swear. Anyway, really quick. Just please me... give me four Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is like, I'm basically going to build like two like filters that go up my nose and shovel in the back of my throat. You know, that's going to be my yeah. solution. Like, get a mask. Like, <laughs> you know, just point at my face. <laughs> You should have your, have your Joker cards. Like uh, Andrew is not suffocating. He indeed has two filters up his nostrils and one. This is perfectly safe. It is, it is a medical condition. Yeah. yeah. Put the ADA yeah. logo on that. Have you sell that for money? Have you been following? Have you been following by the by the way the the some of the research talking about the different strains of COVID? No, I'm a bit terrified because, like, I read stuff about um, uh, about long term effects long after people have COVID, uh, like like it messes them up for long term, and and I'm just like, uh, I'm gonna wait for science to figure this out and and hide. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's been. I, I'd say it's worth looking into and try to find more legitimate sort of resources that. But the the you can look into different apparently there are re some research papers pre-press papers whatever talking about um different strains and covid which explains the infection rate being different in different places okay hmm. for instance like we're seeing places like arizona is having a lot more covid infections and people are like oh you dirty people in arizona it's like well there actually appears to be a strain that has this s-shaped you know attachment to it which may be vicious and it may not be that are in place. It might be the strains of COVID and everybody wants to wag fingers at everybody else 
And we and to Brian, like, yeah, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. And also it's one of these reasons to go like, oh, you guys screwed up. Like, yeah. So uh, uh, if you are interested in this kind of research, uh, I very rarely say that you should go to Reddit to get good information. But uh, and initially when coronavirus hit, I was following a subreddit r slash coronavirus uh that is basically just all of the uh, uh articles that wind up getting circulated on social media anyway and for at least my money uh was a little bit too uh, uh hyperbolic like it, it didn't add it didn't make me smarter about uh a uh, uh, covid but r slash covid 19 is basically just uh, preprints of papers and by and large the comments there are by people that are reading this and have a little bit less of a uh, uh, emotionally charged dialogue and I have found that to be very helpful in kind of understanding the emerging science and indeed this is emerging science you should know going in I, I think weird things listeners will certainly know that like a lot of this stuff is us taking our best guess and it's preprint and it's yet to be peer reviewed. A lot of it might turn out to be half of something that, that uh, becomes our common knowledge on it. But if you are interested more in where the science is uh, and not necessarily some of the uh, ramifications and the hyperbole around it, I would recommend r slash COVID-19. It is funny yeah. how how quickly I've become comfortable with it's like uh, if if there's only going to be three places in my world, uh, my home, my work, my convenience store, and like that's just the lap that I'm going to do every day. Um, all of a sudden, it's like eh, whatever they find out, they'll find out, and I'll eventually hear about it. I mean, it's it's I, I'm shocked at how quickly I've become comfortable with that lap. Yeah, I think when that's when your livelihood is that lap, I think that yeah. it's you know it's when your livelihood was like you know our friends in the restaurant industry, our friends that had to work at another place, or, or, you know, or and our I have, friends I have, who are fr touring and so on. Yeah, yeah, you know, I you know I've talked to inter you know tanners all, all the time now who are just trying to figure out what they're going to do next, and so like yeah, that's saying like I I'm in that bubble too because it's like my life hasn't been my personal life has been impacted, but then I talk to my friends and people are suffering, and so. Uh, just back on the the thing I would brought, brought up the subject of the strains. It is interesting because that's one of the things, again, be mindful. Like as Justin said, papers are a thing to say, Hey, we found a thing. Can anybody else find if this is true or not? Because we don't know. And, and we got, we put way too much weight on scientists say this, like they think they found no. this and you need several more papers to know where's, where things going. And we're trying to accelerate. We're trying to take 10 years of science and put it into, you know, a very short period of time, which there's, means the noise is heavy but the strains is one of the things that's coming out more where we're like the places that are having the bigger outbreaks are like oh there's a bigger strain and i'll give you an example of how fast things move okay there was a uh research came out a month ago a month ago you know is the coronavirus mutating yes but here's why you don't need to panic and they talked about how they're de developing detecting different strains and normally over the life cycle of a virus is life viruses might be pretty uh, viruses tend to be pretty dangerous in the beginning but that's not really good for the life of the virus eventually reach a point where the lot more sort of benign or the symptoms are mild and you get things that would have killed you that eventually become like the cold. Right. And they become more violent, but they become less deadly. And that's kind of what maybe five years from now this may become. But 
we're seeing becoming way more violent, much easier to spread. But you know, the it doesn't the damage it doesn't it's not becoming more dangerous. But this article was like it's funny because this is like six weeks ago. Like, hey, yeah, it's mutating, but don't worry, this is normal. And now we are six weeks later. Hey, a lot more people are infected because apparently it mutated viral, and so it's like, hey, yeah. But and, and then on it's, top it's, of that, it's, it's, it's there's, emerging, there's, emerging, emerging, emerging. Right. That's, well, that's and, the big and, and there's also the fact that that behaviors have changed, and you know, uh, there's been uh, oh, well, certain holidays, and and the suspicion that now that it's warm, we'll be okay or whatever. Yeah, no, very true. That's what people were. That's what you, that's the public. Everything. Oh, it's because you know the, these people here they didn't they didn't follow this and like yes and. Now, it also looks like this is a different strain. And so maybe it's not just the behavior part because there is we were baffled by in other countries like in Asia, there seems to be a less violent strain, which, you know, like, thank goodness, because in some countries there, the population density, if it had been more violent, and more dangerous, you know, the cost of human life could be even worse than it is now. And so, you know, that's kind of a lucky break so far. And we, you know, hope it stays the same. But uh, that is one of the things that it's hard because we're trying to figure things out on a moving target. You know, it's a ch constantly changing thing. Yeah. Sleep so, well, everybody. So who hey. wants to talk about things we're consuming? <laughs> uh, hey, I got, I got a pick for you. Um, two things. I'm going to have the same picks as, as the last few weeks. Uh, I'll do the expanse first. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for my other one for after things, but uh, the expanse, boy, do I like the expanse. How it's far? a good show. How far? In? Uh, we're into season two now, okay. late into season two. Yeah. Um, but really what I had always thought of the expanse was kind of a, a, a great BSG, like something that will scratch that BS, that Battlestar Galactica itch. But really what I'm finding is that it's a lot more scratching the Game of Thrones itch. It's the first time that I've watched a show since Game of Thrones that I really have faith in its expansive world building and its confidence in sort of rotating in and out who the main characters are because the world is indeed so vast uh, uh, and and the the issues continue to kind of ramp up and up as mysteries resolve, they become more complicated and therefore you can confidently move forward with new and exciting stuff. So uh, I am enjoying it thus far. Uh, you know what? Game of Thrones is a good parallel for, um, we, we just wrapped up uh, uh, the last of us part two uh, and keep in mind, it's been me and my 12 year old daughter uh, and yes, I know it's a mature title, but she's a mature girl. Um, the uh, uh, one thing that Game of Thrones has always been very, very good at is telling a simple story that increasingly got more and more complicated. And boy, do you feel that in in The Last of Us. Uh, 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 being as safe as I can, um, there's somebody who's upset and has a list of people to exact revenge upon, uh, and only after exacting revenge do you spend the rest of the game experiencing life from the other side of the people who had revenge exacted upon them. And 
and ultimately, uh, if I were to summarize, part two becomes a, a, a treatise, a, a thesis, uh, reminding us that, um, that revenge is a circle that goes nowhere, and it takes a courageous person to break the cycle of revenge. And, um, and you experience that, and, uh, and I loved it very, very much. It's heavy, and it's hard, and when it was over, there was 20 full minutes of me and my 12-year-old daughter just, just watching the credits before either of us said a word. It's wonderful. It's, it's very, very good. Cool. Uh, how, uh, uh, how long did it, did, it, did it take you guys about? Because I know you've been playing the past few weeks. Yeah, maybe maybe twenty hours if I were to, if I were to guess. Yeah, That's not bad. Yeah, it it um um, the, uh, there were multiple moments. If, as, as with a long game, uh, there's a few moments where we're like, oh, this is the peaceful off ramp where we can decide it's all over, and then and then instead characters say, I can't take this peaceful off ramp. I have to finish the thing, and you're like. I guess we're back on it again. Um, but it's it's wonderful. Very, very good. Cool. Uh, I got a pick. Uh, this is a new movie on Hulu. It came out uh, this week. Uh, it's Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti. It's the time loop uh, rom-com Palm Springs. Man, this is a good movie. Good God. Um, so basically... Uh, uh, Miliati's character is at a wedding, uh, and, uh, 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 meets Andy Samberg and, uh, ends up following him to a cave, uh, where she gets thrown into this time loop, uh, where he's been stuck for kind of a, a long unknown amount of time. Um, uh, but it's, it's great. They have a really good chemistry. There's a lot of, of, funny bits jk simmons is in this and he's got a great sort of minor role um i i think this is it it's just chef's kiss great um nice yeah palm springs is there, is 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 there a darkness to it or is it just playful or uh it uh it's it, i mean it has it, it has like some it has some dramatic beats right um uh, but Oh, but it's kind of a relationship movie, right? Like what is when you're stuck in a time loop with more than one person, what do you what do you do for, you know, all of time? Um, and that so, and so, that so vi- vibes of Russian doll or or um, uh, uh, no, because Russian doll has that whole like meta level of the time loop deteriorating and stuff. Um, in fact, the way that they decide to conclude this movie is, is weird and very hand wavy, but it's, 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 it's fun. Um, Paul Springs on Hulu. Andrew. So my pick is going to be, uh, one of the things I love, and I've talked about this before and I'm sort of a broken record on this, but there is so much wonderful knowledge information out there on YouTube. If you look, there are people who are, and particularly it's often, it's, you know, 23-year-olds explaining things extremely well and eloquently. And I've got a number of YouTube channels that I follow that I learn a lot from. You know, I've talked before about Defunct Land, which is, you know, just a great one about theme so parks good. and Disney. Did you see the one about Freedom Land USA? 
Uh, no, I, I, I think I've held that off. Like, like I, 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 in fact, they're so tasty that I, I save them in batches so that I can mm -hmm. really enjoy them. So that, that, this won't be my pick, but they did one on back in like the sixties, some people who were instrumental in creating Disneyland. Some of the people who helped build Disneyland from like one of the, you know, the, the chief operations managers, some other people, some big Disney people left Disney went to New York and decided to build a theme park there that was basically Disney level quality. Okay. This was, they brought in the same companies that build the Disney attractions and stuff. And they had some rides. Like there was a pirate's ride before Disney had a pirate's ride that some other kind of really cool stuff there that like, you know, you look at this freedom land USA and it looked like an amazing park. A lot of people thought it was as good as Disneyland. And it was sort of like this bizarro Disneyland kind of thing. And the only problem was they built it in New York, which is a bit seasonal. And so it had to shut down during the winter times and they needed to have a really high number of people going in there. And so, and it was like in the Bronx, which is now this big, massive, humongous housing projects there. But once upon a time, there was kind of a Disneyland 2.0 there. So wow. uh, Freedom Land USA. So that's one of the defunct land uh, things. But uh, the pick I want to pick is the YouTube channel Company Man which is basically uh, what this is, is the sort of uh, deep dives into companies, like what made them successful, why did they fail, et cetera. And I think they're really neat sort of analysis. These things are maybe like 15 you know, minutes long. They're not too long, but if you want to find out about solo cups or things like this, you know, Toys R Us, where do they get their start? You know, why do they decline? And I find these things better than like, you know, CNBC documentaries or stuff like this. I think they do a really good job of basically taking a topic and are, you know, a lot of cable channels try to make documentaries like this and they're nowhere near as formative or well-researched as these are. That's awesome. So company man, company yeah. man, we're looking for, yeah, if you're looking for other stuff, it's just really cool. Like 10 to 15 minute deep dives into this company. And, you know, there's a couple of ones I'll be recommending later on in some other episodes too. There's just a lot of really good documentary makers on YouTube. Just, going no, so narrow, but, and so well, and then carrying the knowledge from one place to the better. And it's better, better than like people, you know, are doing on cable. So, yeah. yeah. Turns out that when you don't have to have a commercial break every 13 minutes, <laughs> you got a little more freedom to, to tell the story directly. Hmm. Well, and also like when you have somebody who's really passionate about making it too, cause like a lot of those things are, Oh, you know, we we want to do a thing on Microsoft. Oh, okay, I, you know, we'll we'll write a thing today and we'll go do this. We'll just pull the surf, you know, pull our research from Wikipedia and whatever, and that's it. You're, we're not going to have a researcher go do a deep dive into it, and that's why a lot of those things sort of suffer. Like I've always been disappointed when you know a lot of the cable doc business documentaries. I go watch them. Like this is everything you already know about the company. Nobody right. did that. Where do you take defunct land like? I thought I knew Disney history. You know, I'd read biographies of Walt Disney and stuff and there's stuff in there like I never knew because he's going deep and lateral and, you know, pulling stuff out. So, well, and, and, and also man. finding material from um, uh, uh, lateral is a good word because he goes out to uh, uh, the same level he's on to find uh, somebody out there on YouTube has posted uh, Astro World's Sky Screamer video or whatever. It's like, like, like that's the kind of stuff that, uh, that, that most of the, of the, of the quote unquote deep dive CNBC folks are not going to bother to, to plumb those depths.
Yeah. Absolutely. So, gentlemen, it's been weird. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.